Well, if you have your Bible, once you turn with me uh, to the book of Esther. Now, you might not know where the book of Esther is. It's uh, it's uh, if you go to Psalms and then you go north towards Genesis and uh, it's just a few books above Psalms. And so you'll find it right there. It's a small book, only 10 chapters. But we're going to go there this morning to the book of Esther. This morning, we're concluding a series that we started several weeks ago called Extraordinary Lives. And this series has been a study of biblical characters and uh, just ordinary people that God touched and used in extraordinary ways. And so today we're going to be talking about, as we conclude the series, we're going to be talking about Esther. How many of you have heard of Esther? Queen Esther. Well, you can find Esther's story in that little book called Esther in the Old Testament. And it's a very short book. As I mentioned, it's only 10 chapters. You can read it in one sitting. But it's a very moving story, a great story. If you've never read the book of Esther and you're not real familiar with the Bible, I encourage you to find the book of Esther and read it all the way through a couple of times and you'll be blessed by it. But we're going to be referring to that book this morning as we as we do our study. In fact, the you know, the book of Esther is kind of a unique book because it's the only book in the Bible where God's name is not even mentioned. It's not even mentioned. But although God's name is not mentioned, no other book reveals God's sovereignty and providential care for his people like the book of Esther. Amen. You can see God's fingerprint all through the book if you read it. In the book of Esther uh, is a very moving story of this extraordinary young lady named uh, Esther who God used, when, who God sovereignly elevates in the position of and role of a queen. It, it's just amazing how it happens because she shouldn't have been chosen as queen, but she becomes queen. And, uh, and then God divinely uses her to basically save the entire Jewish uh, race from genocide. And so, man, she is just an incredible lady. Uh, Esther was an ordinary woman who God touched and used in an extraordinary way. And these stories, these lives have been encouraging because, you know, I find myself in there. I'm sure you find yourself in there that you can, as we look at these different stories, you can see the different aspects of their life and how God intervened in their life and took them from a course that was maybe gone south and turns their life around and heads them north. Amen. And that's what happens to Esther. And so we're going to look at a few lessons that Esther's story uh, can teach us today. Is that all right? The first lesson that uh, we're going to learn today is that Esther reminds us that our past doesn't have to determine our future. And we've, we've kind of hammered on this uh, many times, but in Esther chapter 2, if you'll just turn there, we're going to begin Esther's story there in chapter 2, but it says in verse 5, at that time there was a Jewish man in the fortress of, of, of Susha, whose name was Mordecai, son of Jair. He was from the tribe of Benjamin and the descendant of Kish and Shemai. His family had been among those who uh, King Jehoiakim and Judah had been exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. And an important note just uh, here, right here, is that Esther was one of the Jewish descendants who got exiled out of their home country of Jerusalem, and they're now in Babylon captivity. And basically, they're serving as slaves under the rulership and the king of Babylon. And, and so Esther is a foreigner living in, uh, as a minority in a foreign land. And, and she doesn't even have parents to support her as she as she travels uh, in a place that she's not familiar with. Uh, and she's being raised by a cousin named Mordecai. In verse seven, it says this man had a very beautiful and lovely young cousin, Hadasha, who was also called Esther. 
When her father and mother died, Mordecai adopted her into his family and raised her as his own daughter. Now, when I read that verse, it just it just leaped off the pages at me. Because Esther, we know Esther, and we know she's, she was raised up as a queen and all that. But, you know, when you read this verse, you know, Esther was an orphan. The Bible says here, both her parents died, and she's now being raised by a cousin, Mordecai. And so she not only is living in a foreign place among a foreign people as a minority, she's having to navigate through life without the support of parents, without the support of her father and her her mother. Esther is learning how to navigate through life without the the family support that many people have. Can you can you relate? Can anybody relate to that this morning? And so you know what Esther's life teaches us? It really teaches us that our past does not have to determine our future. You know, somewhere along the way, Esther lost both of her parents. It doesn't tell us how or why, but they're they're gone. And so, you know, but what what her life teaches us as you read her story, although her parents were gone, she becomes an orphan. She's adopted by her uncle and she's being raised. You can experience God's favor even when you're in when you end up struggling of no fault of your own. It wasn't Esther's fault that she was an orphan. It wasn't her fault that she didn't have any parents. It wasn't her fault that she got exiled. But Esther was experiencing a hardship as a refugee, not because of her own decisions, her own choices, but because of the sins and the decisions of her forefathers or circumstances that that were before her. And so, you know, what that tells me is that, you know, is that you can have a bright future regardless of where you've been regardless of how you came up. And you know, so listen, some of you today might be suffering uh, major hardships, not because of your sins or your choices, but because of the decisions of other people, because of the circumstances that you had no control over. You know, listen, sometimes we suffer because of the sins of our forefathers. It's called iniquities. And the Bible says the iniquities of the fathers are handed down. But listen, you can experience God's favor in your life, even though your parents might have been ungodly and they never served God. Amen. Y'all believe that this morning? Listen, First Peter 1.18 says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Jesus died to save you from the empty ways that you inherited from your forefathers. That, my friends, is good news this morning right there. Amen. So listen, you can still experience God's favor regardless of what happened to you. You can experience God's favor when you experience great loss through tragedy. You know, you know, whenever you think about, you know, whenever I, I hear about a child, you know, tragically losing both of their parents, my heart breaks for them. What it must be like to be raised without your parents. But, you know, this was Esther's story. And there's some of you, no doubt, that is in this room today that can relate with Esther. Esther 2.7 says, when her father and mother died, Mordecai adopted her into his family. Esther lost her parents tragically. But you know what? As an orphan, she was raised by a cousin or or, or a, a, an uncle. And so yet Esther was still able, regardless of her past, she was still able to rise above her circumstance and be blessed and used of God and become the queen in Babylon. Amen. Some of you lost your parents tragically. Some of you have been maybe adopted, maybe never knew your parents. 
And so some, sometimes whenever you race in that, if people don't tell you that, you feel that, the enemy will make sure to tell you that, that listen, you know, you are just a, you are just a loser. You're a failure. You're a mistake. Nobody cares for you. Well, listen, Esther tells us this morning that that is a lie from the pit of hell. Amen. Psalm 2710 says, when my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. Amen. Listen, your past doesn't have to determine your future. Listen, if you know Miss Babs' story, Miss Babs has a story along these lines that, that is a tremendous story of how God intervened in her life when she needed God to intervene in her life. Amen. So listen, God's people are not excluded or restricted from success because of past hardships or present handicaps. Amen. So in other words, all of us in this room can be victorious. All of us in this room can be successful. Amen. So don't let your past hold you back. Come on. Today is the day that it's time to put the past behind you and move forward in the future. Amen. The second lesson we learn from Esther's story is this. Esther reminds us that submission to authority brings favor and blessing. Submission to authority brings favor and blessing. I got one amen right there. Come on, I need a better amen. Esther 2.20, listen to this. Esther continued to keep her family background and nationality a secret. She was still following Mordecai's directions just as she did when she lived in his home. Mordecai told Esther, don't let people know that you're a Jew. Keep that a secret. And so Mordecai, or, or so Esther listened to her uncle Mordecai and did what he said and didn't let him know. But notice it says she listened to Mordecai just as she did when she lived at home. Now, although Mordecai was not even her biological father, she still submitted herself to her uncle's instruction. And listen, one of the main reasons God was able to use and bless Esther was because she listened and submitted herself to her uncle Mordecai's instructions. Mordecai told Esther not to tell anybody if she would have started blabbing her mouth and disobeyed and rebelled against the instruction of her uncle. Everybody would knew she was a Jew. I don't think she would even had a chance to be chosen as queen. And so God in his sovereignty protected her through the authority that was set over her. Had she not listened, I don't know that we would be reading the story like we're reading it today. Amen. Like Esther, God expects us to recognize and submit to authority. Now listen, 2 Peter 2.13 says this. For the Lord's sake, respect all human authority, whether the king is head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong, And honor those who do right. Now listen, God has meticulously designed human culture or our culture with layers of authority. Our our society is established with layers of authority. Whenever you think about the Godhead, the Godhead has authority in it. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It has levels of authority. In our life, there is levels of authority. There's the level of family authority. The Bible says in Genesis 1 and 1, or excuse me, Ephesians 6 and 1. Children, obey your parents when you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. 
It's the only one of the commandments that has a promise associated with it. But you know, Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. So there's authority, there's family authority there. And any time we come under the umbrella of authority, there will be a blessing there. There is a layer of, of work-related authority. Whenever you show up to work tomorrow, those of you that work, there's authority there. You'll find authority there. And so Ephesians 6, 5 says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we're slaves or free. So it says, listen, submit to your supervisor. Submit to your boss. There's a layer of governmental authority. Romans 13.1 says everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. Now listen, whenever I read that uh, verse 1, I've always interpreted that verse, that first verse. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. My mind immediately goes to submitting to the government, the federal government, the state government, the city government, the government that's in place. But, you know, the word actually means submit to those that have positions of authority, wherever that is. Whenever you go to Walmart, there is authority in Walmart that we must place ourselves under. Whenever you go to work, there is authority that you must place yourself under. Are y'all catching this this morning? There's a layer of spiritual authority. In Hebrews 13, 7, it says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them, give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit if you harass spiritual leaders. I like that verse. Maybe we should read that again. Of course I would, right? But listen, let me just give a word of caution here. You don't submit to any spiritual authority or governmental authority that is abusive or ask you to disobey God. God's authority is always ultimate authority in our lives. Amen. Are you all with me out there? And so you should never violate God's authority to submit to earthly authority. Is that all right? Y'all receive that? But listen, you know, if some pastor asks you to drink red Kool-Aid, uh, don't do it. Rebel against that authority, okay? If some authority asks you to rob a bank, tell them you're going to look for another job. Are y'all, are y'all catching what I'm saying? But listen, here's the reality. Some of us totally disregard authority because somewhere along the way, we had abusive authority. We had harsh authority. And so we swung the pendulum whenever we were under authority and we got abused by it. We decided I will be under no authority and we go all the way over here and we live in a spirit of rebellion. I need a better amen than that. Amen. So listen, so so you you know, we, we need to get ballots in this, right? The more we learn to recognize and honor authority over us, the more we'll experience God's honor and blessing and favor in our lives. We don't teach this principle enough because of what I just said. 
But listen, learning to submit to authority helps us develop godly character. You see, listen, you can grow old in your body. You can't stop that. How many of you realize that? It's like ever since I graduated high school, man, I've been on fast track. You know? But you know, spiritual authority, spiritual maturity is optional. You can be in church a hundred years and never grow spiritually. You can just be stuck spiritually, never grow spiritually. One of the ways that you grow spiritually is by learning how to submit yourself to authority. It's the way that God designed it. You know why children learn to submit to their parents? God is training them to reign with him in the kingdom of God. Submitting to authority helps you conquer pride. You know, pride does not want to be under anybody's authority. Pride wants to be in authority. It takes a lot of humility to recognize and to follow authority. Amen? Submitting to authority helps us overcome the sin of rebellion. Each of us have inherited an evil characteristic called rebellion that needs to be broken off our life. And listen, as parents, let me just short here. Some parents think that discipline is not of God. But the Bible says the rod of discipline removes rebellion from the heart of a child. And listen, if you don't help your children deal with rebellion, Lafayette Parish Correctional Center will. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm just telling you the truth. Listen, Isaiah 53, 6 says, All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Notice it says, all of us. There is none good, not one, the Bible says. What caused Satan to get kicked out of heaven? Rebellion. What caused Adam to fall in the garden? Rebellion. What causes us, many of us to lose out on God's grace? Rebellion. Rebellion is an evil that needs to be dealt with in each of our lives. You know how we deal with it? Learn how to submit to authority. That's how you deal with it. Submitting to authority helps you to grow spiritually. Listen, when you recognize and submit to authority, you're ultimately submitting yourself to God. And that's what we don't get. We don't get this. That all authority, Romans 13 says, all authority is established by God. And so, you know what? There's pastors all over the place. Everybody that is in a place of authority operates with God's blessing. It doesn't mean they're good authority. But listen, whenever we submit ourselves to authority, we're really submitting ourselves to God. First Peter 5, 5 says, in the same way, you younger men must accept the authority of the elders and all of you serve each other in humility for God opposes the proud and favors the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God in the right time. He will lift you up. Notice he talks about submitting yourself to the elders. And by that, you're submitting yourself to God. You're humbling yourself to God. You see, listen, we're in a society today that doesn't regard authority. We're in a society today that is riddled with rebellion. And we just don't want anybody telling us what to do. We're laced with a spirit of rebellion. But when you bring it into the kingdom of God, it's got to come to the cross. And when you bring it to the cross, what happens is you position yourself in a place of humility. And that's where God blesses you. Amen. 
Learning to submit to authority helps you to receive spiritual protection and provision from God. When you submit to authority, you're really submitting yourself to God. And when you submit to God, it positions you to receive spiritual protection and provision from God. Amen? If you really get this, man, there there is some blessings in store for you. Listen, Psalm 91, verse 1 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to you, Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trap and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings. You may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. When you submit to authority, you submit to God. When you, when you submit to God, you position yourself for success. You know, I've heard it taught like this, and it's, it, it really helped me to understand it. Authority is like an umbrella of protection. And when you get under authority as teenagers, as children, whenever you get under your parents' authority, you're protected from the rainstorm of God's de- or the enemy's demonic force. But when you rebel against authority, you become susceptible to the demonic influences of the enemy. But if you stay under the refuge of God, he's your shield. He will cover you with his pinions. Amen. Now, how many parents like that? Amen. All right. Let me use another illustration. When you show up to work tomorrow, you got a supervisor or a boss. When you get under their their authority with your attitude. You get under their umbrella of protection. But whenever you decide to do things your own way and run your own show, you get out from the umbrella of protection. Which place would you rather be here or here? You see, it's for our benefit that we find authority, we come under it. You see, I've noticed as a pastor, when some people have total disregard for spiritual leadership, and I understand why, because some people have been totally hurt and cut and and all that. And so, you know, but there's some people that have a great respect for authority. And I've noticed I flow under a greater anointing with people that respect the office, not me, the office of pastor than people that don't. I just noticed it. You know, I noticed, you know, whenever I was in high school, I had, they had a teacher in high school that she was notorious for making smart people fail. She was like, she was a college, she should have been in college, and she was in high school, and she had a tough personality, and, and a lot of my friends were failing her class. And so I decided, man, I can't get my diploma till I get through Miss Killingsworth's class. And so I decided whenever I got to her class, I was going to be on my best behavior, because some of my other classes, I wasn't. I wasn't following authority. I didn't know this all my life. <laughs> Amen. How many of you know, even though you know it, it doesn't mean you're going to follow it, right? But you know, what I noticed is that whenever I got in there and I just got on my best behavior, if she said jump, I said how far? If she said move to that desk, I moved to that desk. If I, I just did what she said. I submitted myself to her authority. I passed the class. And listen, I wasn't like valedictorian and I wasn't even in honor society. In fact, I was on below, way below. I was in the top 10 of the lowest percentage of my class, right? And look what the Lord has done. Amen. Praise the Lord for his grace. Amen. 
But listen, here's the point. What I'm saying is that I believe that the reason why I was able to get through that class was not because I was so smart, because I just recognized that it would be to my benefit if I just submitted myself to her. Okay. And so, listen, I was thinking about on the all rigs, you know, my my parents taught me to say, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. They taught me that. And I'd get, you know, reprimanded if I didn't. And I, you know, some might call it child abuse today, but it helped me. And so whenever I got to Riggs, I said, yes, sir. No, ma'am. You know, and I'm telling you, it was a sign of respect of authority. And I noticed great favor on the Riggs just by operating in respect for authority. See, this might help you. This might help you. You can walk around with a chip on your shoulder and with the attitude, or you can learn to recognize and respect authority. If you want God's favor on your life, Learn to honor and respect and submit to authority. Amen. You know, I noticed that, you know, um, I believe this is I believe that the only reason why I got the opportunity to pastor Family Life Church was because somewhere along the way, I decided I was going to submit myself to Brother Francis. In fact, he told me, he said, you know, you weren't the first one that came around here. That could have been passing this church, and I'm not saying that to toot my own horn, but I can tell you there were times that that rebellious seed in me wanted to rebel against Brother Francis' authority. But every time that I dealt with that, I, I did my best to bring it to the cross. And I think that by submitting myself to his authority, let me say this, Brother Francis and Miss Babs have saved me from countless heartaches in life because of the wisdom and the leadership that they brought into my life. And I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you, we're not really teaching this principle. But I'm just telling you, your parents, you might not think they know anything. But submit yourself to them. Whenever you get out of the house, honor them. They might be very, very hard to honor. You can honor them in your heart. And you cannot be disrespectful. Amen. And God is going to reward you for it. Amen. On your job, change your attitude. Go to work with a different attitude. Recognize who's your boss. Work is unto the Lord. Respect them. Honor them. And God will bless you for it. Amen. Y'all receive that this morning? The third lesson we learned from Esther's story is this. Esther reminds us that it pays to be courageous. After Esther had been miraculously chosen to be king, there was an edict made by the king on behalf of Haman's request, who was one of his officers. And he was mad at Mordecai because Mordecai wouldn't bow down to, to, to worship him. So he decided he was going to not only get rid of Mordecai, but all the Jews. And so there was an edict made on behalf by the king on behalf of Haman's request that all Jews would be killed on a single day. The Bible says in Esther 3.13, Dispatches were sent by swift messengers into all the providences of the empire, giving the order that all Jews, young and old, including women and children, must be killed, slaughtered, and annihilated on one single day. This was scheduled to happen on March 7th of the next year. When Mordecai hears about this, hears about the plot of Haman to kill all the Jews, he encourages Esther, who's now the queen, to go to the king and beg for mercy. In verse 8, Mordecai gave... 
Hatchet a copy of the decree issued in Susa that called for the death of all Jews. He asked Hatchet to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. He also asked Hatchet to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and plead for her people. So Hatchet returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Now, the problem with Esther going to the king and requesting mercy was that it was unlawful for anyone to go to the king without being invited by the king. He had to invite you in his chambers. You just didn't go into his chambers. And the punishment for going in uninvited was usually death. Unless the king would raise up his scepter and say, it's okay. So for Esther to go to the king, she was laying her life on the line. And so in Esther 4.10, the Esther told Hatchet, go back and relay this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the providence knows that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. So Esther says, hey, Uncle Mordecai, do you realize what you're asking me to do? Do you realize what's going to happen to me if I show up in the king's court without being invited? He's going to kill me. I'm going to die. But Mordecai says this to, to Esther. He shows no sympathy. And he says in verse 13, Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. And listen, Esther, who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. What a powerful word right there. So Mordecai doesn't cut her any slack, but helps her realize that God's favor is on her life as queen, probably for this moment, for this eternal purpose. How many of you know God favors you for his purpose? And that's what was going on with Esther. And so verse 15, then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink from three for three days, nights or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it, it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. Now listen, this is powerful. If I must die, I must die. Wow, what courage this great woman of God demonstrates with these words. She shows her true colors. She reveals the enormous courage that's on the inside of her. She's not about to sit on the sidelines and see all these Jews get annihilated. She said, I got to do something about it. I got to stand up. And if it costs me my life, it costs me my life. If I must die, I must die. She was willing to risk her life. I don't think there's any other greater demonstration of courage than that. Amen. So don't miss this important point. It was because of Esther's incredible courage that the Jews were saved. It was because of Esther's courage to stand up for the Lord that his purpose prevailed. How many of you know it was the Lord's purpose that the Jews would be saved? So let me ask you, what are you doing to stand up for the purpose of God in your life? What what, what are you doing? Do you have any courage to stand up for those that are being mistreated? Those that are lost? Those that are getting trampled by life. Let me encourage you to do something. Find your courage and stand up. Even if it's praying over your meal at your workplace. Stand up. Be courageous. 
And listen, if you must die, then be willing to die, but stand up for God's purpose and let be counted as someone that's willing to do something for God. Amen. Come on, I need a better amen right there. Amen. Amen. Listen, yesterday we went out and knocked on doors and invited people to get school supplies today. I met a young lady. She'd just been coming about a month, and and I got to find out a little bit about her story. I didn't ask her permission to tell the story, so I'm not going to tell you who it is. But I think it's okay with me telling you the story. She told me both her parents got messed up on drugs, ended up, you know, not able to take care of them. Her grandmother stepped in and her grandmother raised them and her grandmother drugged them to church. Yeah, drug them. But you know what? She cannot get away from church now. She can she move from from another city, a big city to Lafayette. And she already knows more people in family life than some people been here for 10 years. Because she said, I'm not just going to church. I'm going to church. Amen. Why? Because a grandmother stood up and said, I'm going to be counted. I'm not going to turn my back away. I'm going to make a difference where I can make a difference. Hey, listen, I'm here to tell you, God wants you to make a difference. And you need the courage of God inside of you to stand up and say, God, with your grace and your strength, I'm going to do something great for you. Amen. Come on, I just sense that there's somebody in here that has a calling, that has a purpose, that God wants to use you, that's going to make a difference in somebody's life for eternity. Amen. Come on, you received this this morning. The fourth lesson we learned from Esther's story is this. Esther reminds us of the value of depending on God. How was it that Esther could overcome such a horrific tragedy like losing both parents and becoming an orphan, adopted? Being a foreigner, a minority, mistreated. How do you overcome that? How did she overcome that? How did somebody with that background be so greatly used of God? How was it that Esther could go from being a peasant to a princess? How was it that Esther could have the courage to stand up and save an entire human race? How could that be? I think the answer is obvious. Esther depended on God. Amen. Esther learned to rely on God to help her make it through life's hardship. That strength she got to stand up and lay down her life didn't come from herself. It came from God. Remember when Mordecai challenged Esther to go to the king and ask for mercy from the Jew, for the Jews? Remember that? This was Esther's reply. I want to read it again. Verse 15. Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and gather all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, nights, or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. See, Esther's response was she said, get all the Jews to join me in fasting for three days. A corporate fast like me and my maids will do. In other words, Esther was saying, pray for me. Fast for me. Ask God to give me mercy and grace. I need God's help. Blesses those who know that they need God's help. Amen. Esther realized she needed to fast for the grace and mercy of God. 
If she was going to be successful when she got in front of the king, she went in with the favor of God, the grace of God. When she walked into the king's chamber and she looked at the king and the king said, Esther, what are you doing here? And she said, I got to talk to you, king. He raised up that golden scepter and he said, come on, tell me what you need. That's the favor of God. Come on. How many of you know the favor of God can take you where nothing else can take you? The favor of God can bless you like nothing else can bless you. If you got the favor of God on your life, my goodness, there's no telling where you can go. Amen. Come on. That golden scepter, the favor of the king. How did she get the favor of the king? She depended on God. Second Corinthians or second Chronicles 16, nine says this. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You know, the bottom line is God blesses those who learn to wait and depend on God. Can I ask you, are you depending on God? You see, whenever she fasted and prayed, she didn't just say, oh, I'm going to the king. And went in her own strength, relying on her own ability, relying on the, on the favor of man. No, she said, before I'm going to go to the king, let's wait on God. Let's talk to God. And she waited on God and God moved. Isaiah 40, 31 says this. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. And they will walk and not faint. You know, God gives us three promises right here in this one verse. When you wait on God, which means to depend on God, which means to rely on God, which means to hope in God. They that hope on God, rely on God. Those who trust in the Lord. Number one, when you trust and depend on God, he will give you new strength. He will give you new strength. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Listen, this strength is not in an energy drink. It's not in a five-hour bottle. Amen? It's not in a monster or whatever they, you know. Come on, the strength that comes from God comes from heaven. Amen? You may you may walk in here today weak, but I'm telling you, you can walk out of here strong. Without having any coffee, without having any monster drink, you can leave here strong. How? The strength of God. They that trust and rely and wait on God will renew their strength. Oh, I'm getting happy. Come on, I'm getting encouraged. Come on, I believe somebody's getting strengthened in here. Listen, when you trust in God, number two, you're going to rise above your circumstances. Come on, you've been looking at your mountains long and hard. It's time to get above your mountain and look down at your mountain. Amen. Listen, Isaiah 40, 31, they will soar high with wings as eagles. Listen, eagles look down at all this, what's going on on the earth. Amen. They soar on the wind of the Lord and they look down on their circumstances. I'm telling you, when you learn to depend on God, wait on God, he lifts you up above the circumstances you're in. And number three, when you wait on the Lord, you trust in God, you develop perseverance. Amen. Listen, Isaiah 40, 31. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Listen, any of us can start a race strong. Come on, let's run them out. Let's do it. And the gun sounds and we're running them out. And man, we're out of the blocks. We're racing. And about 10 feet down the road, our tongues start hanging out. And we're just like, whoo, how far is that mile? 
Anybody can start the race, but it takes perseverance to finish the race. Listen, anybody can do okay for a season, but man, when things are going wrong, whenever you got problem after problem, circumstance after circumstance, you need some perseverance in your life. You need some strength that's beyond yourself, and it comes from the might of the Lord. Amen. Come on, stand with me. Let's close in prayer. Oh, come on. How many of you want to wait on the Lord for a moment? How many of you need the strength of the Lord? Come on, the strength of God is in this room. The grace of God is in this room. He's here to help people. He's here to strengthen people. Come on, would you bow with me for a moment? Listen, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Come on, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Maybe you're here today and you say, Todd, I've never trusted the Lord with all my heart. I've never surrendered my life to him. I've never given my all to him, but I'm ready to do so. I'm ready to do business with God. Would you pray for me? I'm ready to turn it over to God. If that's you today and you say, Todd, I want to be saved. I want to be a Christian. Pray for me. Raise your hands all over this place. Raise your hands. There you go. There you go. Anybody else? Come on. Come on. If you're serious, if you're not serious, keep your hand down. If you're serious and you want to be saved, raise your hand, wave it out. Listen, God is looking for courageous people that are willing to stand up and be counted. Are you ready today? Come on, those of you that got your hands raised, I'm going to ask you to be courageous today and step right out of the pew and come to the altar. Come right down to the altar. Come on, take that step of faith. Take that walk. Take that journey of faith this morning. Come on. Come on, take that step. Come on, take that step. Come on, this morning decide, I'm going to submit to the authority of God. I'm going to submit to the authority of the Lord. I'm going to give my heart, my life to Jesus. I'm ready to do so. I'm ready to give my all to Him. Yes, come on, there's more. Come on, there's more. Come on, don't let the enemy rob you. Don't let the enemy steal from you. Come on, don't get out from that umbrella. Come on in. Come on in. There's room at the foot of the cross. There's room at the foot of the cross for you. Yes, this is your day. This is your hour. This is your moment right here, right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, my Lord. Come on, let's turn to the Lord right now. Let's bow our heart to the Lord. Bow your heart to the Lord right now. And just from your heart and with your mouth, say, Jesus, I submit my heart to you. Today, I want to be saved. I know I'm rebellious. I know I've rebelled against your ways. But I'm sorry. I'm ready to turn around. I'm ready to live for you. Lord Jesus, help me today to submit to you, to serve you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for accepting me into your family. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your grace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, come on, just begin to thank him for his blessing in your life right now. Just begin to thank him for his blessing in your life right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Listen, Psalm 91 and 1 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, this morning by just responding to the gospel, I want you to know it's just like you just came under the umbrella, the hailstorm of Satan's wrath. You came under God's umbrella 
Look up here at me, all of you that are up here. It's like you came under God's umbrella. God's umbrella is over you, not because of it this, but because of his grace. Now, come on, just thank him for his umbrella of grace over you. Just begin to thank him. Just thank him for his love and his grace. Listen, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how you got here. I tell you, Esther was an orphan, but God elevated her. God's going to elevate you. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter to God. God can take a take somebody that's been through through the ringer and take them out on the other side and press you like a fine garment in his kingdom. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, listen. Some of you, maybe you've been saved, you've been a Christian. But look, how many of you, how many of you been through, can relate to Esther? You can relate to Esther's hardship. You can relate to suffering. You can relate to that. God uses pain. God will use your pain. He'll use it to bring glory, His glory. He'll use it to place His anointing on your life. Come on. Nothing is final. Nothing. Listen, as long as you breath, you got breath, God still got a purpose for you. Amen. Come on, listen, some of you, you just right there in your heart. You just need to receive that. Listen, I'm not going to live by my past. I'm going to live by my future. My future is bright. Come on, there's a bright future for me. Come on, you receive that today. Come on, listen, some of you, you might need to just change your attitude about authority and just change your position. Come on, if you, if you just need to make a, a switch in your heart, let's, let me pray a blessing over you before we dismiss. Father in heaven, I thank you for every family, every life, every heart that's here. God, thank you for releasing mercy. Lord, I pray, raise your golden scepter over your people. Lord, raise your favor over your people. Lord, let your favor touch every heart and every life today. Lord, from the youngest to the oldest. Lord God, I pray. Lord, every person in this auditorium, may they sense and feel the love and the touch of God on them in a supernatural way. I pray today in Jesus' mighty and strong name. I pray and everybody that agreed shouted and said, Amen. Amen. Amen.